Hello and welcome to Signals from the Hill. My name's Stephen Walsh. Coming up, we'll be talking to Scott Jason Smith, the creator of Marble Cake, a new fiction piece that we'll be publishing later this month. But first up, some Avery Hill news. As well as Marble Cake, this month also sees the arrival on the shelves of Desolation Wilderness by Claire Scully, who we spoke to last month. Both books will be debuting this weekend at Elkaf, which runs from Friday the 7th through to Sunday the 9th of June, and is being hosted at the Round Chapel and Old School Rooms in Hackney. We'll actually be tabling there as well, and if you purchase anything in our shop in the lead up to Elkaf, you can pick it up from us at the show, saving on shipping costs. Just use the code ELKAF at checkout and come and find us there. And now, here's some information on another comics podcast you may enjoy. In the monthly radio show on comics, Panel Borders, you can hear Alan Moore. Films, you see this gradual rehabilitation of Godzilla. Sandy Toxvig. There's something about the cartoon world that, honestly, in these grim times, is rather preferable to flesh and blood sometimes. Chris Riddell. I have a draw in my studio. Um, it's the naughty draw. And many more writers and artists talking about their craft. More info at www.panelborders.wordpress.com. Some other comics news now. London's Cartoon Museum has moved to a new location and will be reopening on Monday the 1st of July. The new spot is in Fitzrovia, up by Oxford Circus, and is at 55 Wall Street. Anyone who visited the old location will know that the Cartoon Museum has a wonderful collection of original art and hosts loads of great events and exhibitions all year round, and their new premises offer even more space and scope to display work. Find out more about their plans at www.cartoonmuseum.org. And now, I'll chat with Scott Jason Smith. Hi Scott, thanks for joining us today. Hi Steve, yeah, thanks for having me. Really uh, intrigued to talk to you. Um, this is uh, becoming a recurring theme the deeper we go into the Avery Hill creator list. But you're someone who, again, uh, I've never met in person before. Although, as you said before we started recording, there's a huge chance we've been in the same place at the same time with me working at Gosh. So what was your sort of like first early experiences of, of comics You know, as a, as a reader? Was it something that was around when you were a kid? I do remember getting Tintin and Asterix comics from the library as a kid. I'm not sure how much, I didn't read an awful lot, I think. I just remember getting a few issues, but the cartoons on TV kind of, they're the main memories I have of those. I think reading comics was Judge Dredd in 2000 AD when I was probably about eight or nine, I guess. I got really into those. Yeah, that's massive, isn't it? The sort of, the, the finding something that sort of made near to you and feels like your own, doesn't it? I mean, you know, I had exactly the same experience of uh, Asterix and Tintin. I had uh, a cousin that was wealthier than us who owned all the Asterix and Tintin books. Mm. Um, but I always used to say he owned them all, but I'd read them all. That was the difference. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I would just sort of like happily plant myself. I had a little box in the library just full with all the volumes. And, you know, you're not even thinking about reading them in any particular order. Like, you know, as far as I was concerned, Dogmatics was there from the start. It, there was always, uh, you know, him running around and the Thompson twins. But, you know, when reading them now as an adult, you sort of appreciate the continuity a bit more. But, yes, yeah, some, some cracking stuff to, to, to get in your formative years. And, and were you dabbling yourself in terms of making comics as a kid? Was that something that interested you? I didn't think so, but looking back at some of my sort of primary school exercise books, you have to kind of write little stories or answer little questions and do illustrations to go with them. So I found some of them a while ago now, but looking at those, they are like little comics. Right, right. <laughs> but apart from that, not really. I, just, I always do them a lot as a kid, but I didn't really make my own comics as such. And in school, was was art something that you were drawn to? Was that always something, you know, uh, beyond doodling, of course? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
all throughout school, done it on to GCSE and A-level as well. But by that time, when I was sort of doing my GCSEs, a friend and, a friend and myself, we used to kind of started making comments then, possibly about 15. All right, okay. And we used to sort of do them in an exercise book and swap them over. He'd do a few pages, then I'll continue the story and do a few pages. So... And would it be sort of sci-fi stuff, sort of 2080-infused stuff, or...? Actually, by that point, it was more... It's about our teachers, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's always, like, prime fodder, isn't it? There's always some great material there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I imagine you were really kind, and it was all about how great your teachers were. Oh, of course, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's interesting as well, just sort of, like, to jump slightly ahead... um, into the you know the work that you do now and the, your, your comics practice in general, uh, which seems very sort of observational and drawn from the world around you. So that's interesting. That was a something that was seeded quite early on. Yeah, I suppose with the comments I was talking about, we done about our teachers. You pick up on you know personality traits and mannerisms and put them into the story. I guess it's kind of what I do now with people I see in the street or conversations over here. Just note them down and develop them. And you did, um, you, you studied art beyond A-level as well, didn't you? Um, University of East London. Oh, okay. It's an illustration course. Right. It changed its name a few times while I was studying, actually. It started, <laughs> off, as, it started off as book art and illustration. And then my third year, they changed the course to graphic fine art. So there's a lot of drawing and printmaking, that kind of thing. And were you going into that with comics still around you was it still a consideration or was it just a general sort of art thing that drew you to it originally it was an art thing that drew me to it but you know when i was in my foundation or first year possibly that's when i started getting into comics again because i mean there'd been a kind of a gap after the 2000 ad interest then i kind of stopped reading comics for a bit not intentionally just just sort of happened, I guess. I was more interested in playing football, I suppose. But <laughs> it does. It's uh, the teenage years, isn't it? It's a case of either you sort of find things to sort of bridge you through those years, or you can just drop away from it uh, completely. There's there's other distractions that come into your life at that point, isn't there? So when you came back to to comics uh, as a reader in your foundation year, what sort of things were you redrawn to at that point? Joe Matt, I got really into Joe Matt and Daniel Klaus. They were the two biggest in well. They're probably the two that I read the most, and obviously, you know, a lot of John and Quarterly stuff. Yeah. And yeah, Chris Ware, stuff like that. Gilbert Hernandez. Um, but it was actually Jeffrey Lewis. I went to a Jeffrey Lewis gig. Must have been sort of mid 2000s, I guess. But when I was there, I bought a a comic from him. It was a I think it's a European travel diary. Yeah, he had basically drawn it while he was travelling on the road, and that it was like photocopied A5s. You know self-produced comics so I got really into his stuff and that's kind of when I started thinking about I could do it myself as well. His stuff I think is is fantastic in terms of being inspirational because in the best sort of way it's very loose isn't it in terms of like he doesn't sort of go oh I better write I've got to write about this and nothing else or I won't write about this it's very much it feels sort of stream of consciousness almost doesn't it in terms of what he's writing and how he's getting it across to you. And he's a fantastic cartoonist as well. Yeah, and those diary comics, they come together perfectly as well. But yeah, I've, I've seen his sort of more, you know, produced stuff, I guess, where he sat down at a desk and... You know, yeah, Fuff is a sort of irregular anthology collection, isn't it, where it's him doing various bits and bobs, um, which is also uh, full of great stuff as well. Yeah, and I think that, that European diary comic, he sort of actually redrew that and revisited it as well but i've not seen that version of it yeah he's um a big comics fan he did his 
you might know this, he did his dissertation at college uh, about Watchmen. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I went to a talk that he did. And uh, like just afterwards, I sort of went up to him and said, is that Watchmen? Is your Watchmen dissertation online anywhere? Is there any way to read it? And he was like, he was like, no. Uh, do you think people would be interested if I printed it out and like had it at shows? And I was like, I, I was like, I def- if you had one now, I'd definitely buy one off you. I think, you know, I was like, I'm interested in what most people have to say about Watchmen. And mm-hmm. most of the things you have to say. So you saying stuff about Watchmen <laughs> seems, <laughs> seems perfect to me. And uh, he was like, okay, I'll, no, I'll think about that. I might try and print some up next time I'm over. I was like, okay, great. Um, and then like six months later, I think it was at the ICA or the one, one of those places. Yeah, I think it was the ICA. Uh, they had uh, Jeffrey Lewis in conversation talking about his Watchmen dissertation. Oh, and uh, yeah. I spotted it like a week before the show. And uh, I rang him up to try and get tickets. And uh, it sold out. And I was very close on the phone to going, you don't understand. This was my idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I, I said he should do this. I should definitely get a ticket. So I never got to hear uh, Jeffrey Lewis. I was probably on YouTube now. I haven't even uh, checked. But yeah, yeah he's um, yeah, fascinating guy. And uh, as a really inspirational in that, that sense of like DIY, isn't it? He's a, a real sort of believer in that ethos with his music and his uh, comics. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've not heard much he's done for a while actually to be honest but I remember going to his gigs and he'd be holding a notebook or a big <laughs> pad actually and it would be sequential art while he's playing his songs as well so yeah remarkable like performance stuff isn't it like as you say sort of like singing the comic to you and as I say again you know uh, a brilliant cartoonist and what I loved as well was the, the the pads would be ragged, wouldn't they? Where <laughs> he's obviously yeah. just dragged them around the world and belted them out at uh, various shows. We actually had him in at Gosh for a talk about his sketchbooks um, while I was there, and that was was great. He um, obviously has book after book of sketchbooks, but the first thing he does in every sketchbook is draw a self-portrait of him with, do you know Rom, the old Marvel Comics toy character? Like a silver space knight with a red band for an eye. Really sort of distinctive looking character. Um, But he was like obsessed with Rom as a kid. So he'd always draw Rom. And it's still a tradition that he carries on now. Sort of drawing Rom every time he starts a new sketchbook. That's great. Yeah, no, he's, um, yeah, great value. So uh, did that get you thinking in terms of getting back, well, I say getting back to production, but thinking about making comics yourself? I've never seen a photocopy, you know, zine or comic before at that point it's really exciting isn't it because you're like oh i know where photocopies are i don't know where printing presses are or how to get to use them but there's definitely a photocopier in the library yeah that's it and i've jammed a few of those making comics before (laughs) all in a good cause that's the thing of it well i I learned how to unjab them so i'd always unjab it And that was your first sort of thing, was it? Just sort of zines and uh, photocopying and... Yeah, so I think the, the first one I put out was one called Paunch. I've done a series of sort of comics called Paunch that I self, self-published. And they were sort of all A5, you know, photocopied. And I've done a few A6 little ones, but yeah, I haven't done that in years now. But... Right, yeah. It, it's that thing, isn't it? Like, as accessible as the photocopier is, it's still that time-consuming thing of making them up and stapling or folding them and then what what were you doing in terms of, of selling them like shops or shows or mostly shows I mean I put a few in possibly in gosh 
when it was at the British, it, was, it used to be by the British Museum, didn't it? That's right, yeah, Great Russell yeah. Street, yeah. Yeah, and also Orbital, I think. Right, I, yeah. I had something there, but it was mainly I was doing sort of zine fairs and stuff like that for a couple of years. Well, there, there was that great time, wasn't there, where you had sort of the alternative press fairs were pretty regular, uh, Comicette was happening a couple of times a year. So you, you did have these great spaces that you could go into and just find um, incredible stuff. Yeah, the first... I think, I can't remember, the first one I've done was maybe like London Zine Fair, it's called, but right. I've done a few alternative press fairs, and you just meet so many other creators there that are producing all this work that you wouldn't, well, I didn't, I hadn't seen it before, and yeah, just discovered loads of stuff through that and met some new people. And that's inspiration as well, isn't it? Sort of seeing, you know, what other people are doing, how other people are doing, and the fact, just the fact that you're not alone doing it, that there is, you know, there's a community out there to sort of step into, which is good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah, it's an opportunity to collaborate on stuff as well and submit strips to other people's books, yeah. Were there any sort of, any particular uh, names from that point that stick out for you in terms of, like, people that you felt drawn towards in terms of their their work? Probably, I'd say, Gareth Brooks, the main one. Very good, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's been on the show before and, like, I'm a big fan of... Pretty much everything that Gareth does. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, whether it's comics or you know just hosting embroidery lessons in Stanley Halls in South Norwood. I mean, he's a he's a he's a brilliant guy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I might maybe I sat next to him at a, a alternative press fair once and done a swap, got talking, and that was probably one of his Man Man comics. At that right, point, right, yeah, yeah. Which was great. You know, I've been to a few. DIY art fairs and alternative press shows and whatnot. Um, but I think they're vital for creators, aren't they? The, you know, great for you as a punter to go along and fill, fill, you know, fill your bag with uh, great stuff that you're not going to find anywhere else. But I think, I think it's important for creators to have a space to go into and go, uh, you know, the fact that you're sitting next to someone else that has a similar mindset to you towards the, the, the medium. It's not a case of, you know, you're looking to, yeah, get a film adaptation on the go as quickly as possible. You want to make interesting uh, stuff that's going to connect with people. You know, if you sell a sell a book, that's going to do your confidence a world of good as well. So absolutely, it's that reinforcement, isn't it? It's like you know, yeah. these ideas that I've got are chiming with people, and you know, they're finding something uh, in it, which is great. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you've got a few, I'm not too sure about the sort of uh, timeline in terms of where things would have been produced in terms of the, the time we're talking about now. But uh, on your website, you've got a, a great selection of uh, work up there for people to, to have a look at. Oh, yeah, cheers. Um, I guess most of the stuff that's on there is probably done within the last maybe like eight years or something. Okay. Um, I kind of... Stop producing. I went through a phase where I wasn't producing as much work, um, and I just did the odd strip and just put it on the website. I wasn't really producing books or like you know zines or mini comics or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, they just. I did it from my head. I just did a strip. They usually probably about four pages, three pages, um, and I just put it on the website or submit it to an anthology or something like that. But yeah, again, the anthology scene's a very important thing, isn't it? Like having that space to where you're not necessarily responsible for every part of the book being produced and distributed. You can just sort of drop your work into it and, you know, you, you're, again, part of a, a community, a larger group than just yourself. Yeah, definitely. And you're getting, you know, your work's getting nicely produced. It's 
getting put out there. People are going to see it that might not have, you know, seen it normally. So, it's, yes, free marketing and, and you get to find lots of other cool stuff as well when you get your copy. So, I know you did um, a contribution for uh, 69 Love Songs Illustrated, Jules's uh, project. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What other anthologies uh, did you uh, appear in? Is there any I'd know of? Right, so there's a Latvian one called Kush. Kush, I was going to say. I was going to say Kush, and I was like, maybe it's not Kush. How many Latvian anthologies are there going to be that we're both heard of? Not Kush, the other Latvian anthology. Yeah, Kush is wonderful, isn't it? Like, again, that thing of... Um, the sort of production values that they put into it is really sort of inspirational, isn't it? Just sort of, they, they're clearly taking it seriously in the best way possible. Yeah, definitely. It's, and there's loads of cool stuff they put out. They put out a small mini Kush out yeah. as well. Yeah. I actually done, they had an exhibition called The Last Match, which is like a travelling exhibition, and they sent out a piece of paper the size of a matchbox, and you had to illustrate it and then send it back to them. Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure where that is now. Right. <laughs> but I've had a piece in that. But, um, yeah, it's just travelling around Europe. I'm not sure if it's still going. That was years and years ago now. Right, right. Um, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, that, that's the sort of thing, is that even if it's not necessarily a show that's down the road for you who can like tell your friends, that just knowing your work is out there, moving around in this mysterious way and connecting with people that you, like, you know, have no idea about whatsoever, that's really sort of interesting, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. Did you ever do anything in the comics reader? I did actually, yeah. Oh yeah, I can't remember specifically, but um, I'd imagine you'd be a good fit for that, which is a, a brilliant anthology, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was great. I think I was in the first one. Oh, okay. Because Richard Cowdery is another person that I'd met at Zine Fairs, and Peter Lally. It was, it was those two that put. There was a big group of people that put together, but were they the main? Uh, yeah, I, I think. Um, them and uh, Dimitri, who was Jimmy Gherkin at the yeah, time, Jimmy, were, were sort of big. Um, doesn't go under Jimmy Gherkin anymore. He's back to Dimitri now. Okay. Which is interesting because like, I met him as Jimmy Gherkin and only knew him as Jimmy Gherkin for a couple of years. And I think he'd sort of said something on Facebook. He was like, you know, guys, I'm not producing stuff under Jimmy Gherkin anymore. I'm going to be Dimitri again. And um, But I saw him like a couple of months later. I was just completely like, oh, Jimmy. He's like, it's not Jimmy, it's Dimitri. <laughs> I think it's been the last three years being Jimmy. He's still going to be Jimmy to me for a little while, but I'm over it now. Okay. But he's another sort of great inspirational character, isn't he? So enthusiastic. and Yeah, definitely. He, um, I met him at the first scene fair ever done, actually. And I remember I was wearing a tweed, I had a tweed jacket on and a Slayer badge on it. <laughs> and uh, he came up to me and he said, I don't think I've ever seen... A slayer badge and a sweet jacket before. <laughs> That's strong mojo, isn't it? That yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah, so we got chatting and it turned out we both lived in the same area. Um, so I think we met up a couple of times and talked about comics and I thought he organised the alternative press fair, which I'd done. And I think I, I submitted a piece to his anthology. It was alternative press, I think it was called, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I'd have to catch up with him actually, and I'll remember to call him Jimmy. We'll all get told off. We'll all get told off. Yeah, um, I think Richard is—is is he still in Germany? He went over to Berlin. I think he might still be over there, and that kind of took the sales out of the comics reader a little bit, which is a real shame because I think it was like six issues they did. It was great stuff, and I loved. We used to sell it at the, the till point of Gosh, and it would fly out because it was 
uh, you know, a, a quid or a couple of quids. It was such a great impulse purchase and a great way to put so many interesting creators into people's hands in, in one fell swoop. Yeah, okay. I didn't realise there was six. I need to catch up on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like six. Well, I could be wrong. And, of course, um, <laughs> when I spoke to Gareth, we cleared up the the uh, folktale about who was pushing a wheelbarrow around uh, a music festival selling comics readers, and it was Gareth. So. That's great. <laughs> yeah, he's made quite money from... He said on the well, not made. Well, he sold quite a lot of them, didn't he? He, he said it was one of the most profitable days he had in comics because yeah. it is that thing of like, as a piece, the comic reader was sort of, you know, irresistible as a you know tabloid, you know, the the, the old traditional uh, printing look to it. Yeah, it, um, was fantastic. I was friends with, um, well, I am friends with um, Mike Medali as well, who for a while was the sort of warehouse for a couple of issues. So right. he had a garage that was just like filled with three pallets of the comics reader. <laughs> so he was working at Gosh for a while and he was like, do you need some more? I was like, yeah, we do sell a lot. But he was like, I've just got three pallets. <laughs> but I think they're all sort of one way or another, um, all out in the wild now. And that was nice as well. The fact that, you know, if you were a contributor, you got a good, you know, bundle that you could yeah. sort of sell yourself. It was hard because, like, I'd get sort of emails from ten different contributors trying to sell them into Gosh. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'd love to buy. I, I would, I would try as well to sort of take a chunk from everyone as as much as possible, just to sort of uh, share it out. But um, yeah, no, so it was a, a wonderful uh, publication. I had, um, yeah, like I say, I was in the first issue, I think, and yeah, yeah. I had a bunch at home. And um, we'll just take a few out every now and then and sell them. Or some some geek nights my friends put on, I'll take right. some down there. Not a wheelbarrow, but um, <laughs> just, a, just a few copies. You need to build up to the wheelbarrow. You, yeah. you, it's, a, it's a big move, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so um, in terms of Avery Hill, like, um, was it a case of you coming onto our radar, us coming onto your radar, what was the initial sort of uh, contact between yourself and, because I, I work for Avery Hill, but I'm sort of sales and podcasting, I'm not editorial, so I don't get to sort of know about the initial contact between creator and publisher. Well, I was aware of Avery Hill, obviously, before, and um, David just got in touch, um, just said if I had any work in the pipeline or was interested in, just, you know, sending over something. So, um that's that must be a nice good. sort of message to get, just the thing oh. of, have you got anything? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's not a thing of, like, we'd like to, like, take this off you. It's like, have you got anything? And I know David <laughs> and Ricky have both done that with creators whose who's work they've seen they've been intrigued by, and they're like, let's let's definitely do something with this person. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing email to get. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, you know, by that point, a couple of years, I think I'd submitted some strips and stuff, and they hadn't got in, you know. So... It's quite nice that a, a not really good publisher contacted me and what you know worked with me. So um, yeah, it's, it's a nice brief as well, isn't it? Have you got anything? <laughs> yeah. I've definitely got something. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was good timing actually because I'd had the story written down from Marble Cake for a while, and I was actually thinking, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it now. And I got that email, so yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's, it's that thing as well because obviously. 
uh, this is a, a larger piece, isn't it? It's not an, a piece for an anthology or, 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 as you say, like a three-page thing or even a casino thing you're going to put together yourself. It's a, a substantial piece of work. So I guess it has to be a thing where you – it's nice to get an email, but I guess you have to be mentally in the right space to go, yes, I want to undertake a substantial project. I want to do this. I've got the time in my life to, to take this on. It's not going to be too much of a burden. That It all has to sort of like coincide quite nicely, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it was tough. Um, but yeah, I'd had, this, like I said, I'd had this, the story written. I probably wrote the first part of it years and years ago, like eight years ago or something, something like that. <laughs> but it just kind of sat there. And then I had all these other little short stories that I'd written down. So when I revisited it, um, I decided to kind of merge them into it. Right. About a month after that is when uh, David got in touch, so... Perfect. And I guess, sort of, conceptually, just to, to, to move into talking about the book swiftly, so, you know, just to let people know, Marble Cake is essentially... It's a story about, you know, I've described it as, you know, apparently disparate strangers who suddenly realise, not re even realise, but we as readers realise, they have these tiny little connections with each other, don't they? And they sort of, uh, you know, move together and around each other in, in certain ways. So I guess, like, what you're saying, with having smaller stories to sort of drop in, you can do it very naturally, can't you? You're not having to, like, force it into the story. You've got this sort of flow that allows those to, to, to move in quite naturally. And I suppose the fact that one of the characters, probably, probably the main character... She works in the supermarket, so that's quite a good place to meet a bunch of people at once and then follow their stories and then they kind of, you know, might connect again and sort of cross cross paths again. But yeah. Yeah, it's a really smart sort of narrative idea because it's um you know, with a lot of stories, it's like oh, what you know, they always say, you know, what does the character want? Why does the character want to do this? And with a supermarket you're like dinner and they had to get dinner. So <laughs> at some point they're gonna to go to the supermarket. <laughs> you're not sort of having to sort of like, oh, what's their motivation? They needed they needed cucumber. They were out of it at home completely and they needed more, so this is where they go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I'd say, um, having been fortunate enough to read um, uh, a review PDF, um, yeah, it's it's got a lovely uh, flow to it visually um, and in, in terms of narrative. It was a real treat to read. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, no problem at all. Yeah. Um, Obviously, oh, it was the first longer piece I've made, you all question yourself, is it working? Right, you yeah. Know, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it's interesting, obviously, having sort of read about you now and around your work, you know, for this conversation, it sort of occurred to me that you, you that, that's what I meant about it in terms of the scale of it. You'd never done anything this long before. And with that in mind, I think the pacing is remarkable. Like, it, it, does, it doesn't feel like this is your first long-form work. It feels much more assured than, than that, I think. Being a comics reader, you're going to be influenced by stuff you read, aren't you? Um, yes. So kind of comes that you're kind of naturally influenced learning as you, you know, learning as you go along i suppose and then yeah it sets you up and i guess if you want a sort of inspirational figure for long form work then gilbert hernandez is <laughs> pretty yeah. good i mean that story has been going for about 30 years now hasn't it so yeah that, <laughs> actually he kind of influenced it in a way where there's no narration as such i know a lot of cartoonists do that but um yeah, it'll just jump. Yeah, it was a very it's deliberate easy. thing on your point, just to sort of let these people's lives unfold without necessarily joining the dots for the reader. 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I think that is that. That's uh, hadn't that hadn't occurred to me until you said that. But I think that that is definitely part of the the power of the the flow in terms of the narrative. It it does feel very natural as we move from one person or group to another without necessarily having to sort of go meanwhile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like kind of, when I was making it as well, I was kind of thinking of it in terms of film as well in a way. So I was imagining in cutting to the next scene. Um, yeah. So kind of interested by film as well. Yeah, you have that thing in film, don't you, where, you know, it's they're both visual media where you as the viewer or reader are expected to follow things enough that you don't necessarily have to be told who everyone is every time you see them on screen, where they are and what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Just in terms of um, uh, process, I'm not too sure how much you use this for this project or how much generally. I just noticed, again, just uh, looking around your stuff uh, in anticipation of talking to you, you've got a brilliant blog post where... Looks like you were designing characters using photo fits from Crime Watch. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've you know spoke to a lot of creators, looked at a lot of different processes that people use to generate ideas and images. That to me is completely original and fresh, and quite brilliant. I think. <laughs> I wish I'd thought of it earlier, actually. But um... <laughs> it's there, isn't it? It's all just free character design. <laughs> yeah. I've recently discovered that all of the old crime watches are on YouTube, so right. I've been watching those in order. <laughs> <laughs> print screening the photo fits and, yeah, just keeping a, uh, a sort of um, a collection to go back to and use for character designs. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, is there some you're doing just in terms of, like, as, a, as an exercise in drawing or is it all purely in terms of... Uh, generating content to go into particular projects? Um, a bit of both at the moment, really. So Yeah, I imagine it'd be great fun just to sort of sit down and go, oh, I think I'll draw that guy who was accused of that burglary in Deptford in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> there was one, yeah, there was a couple of photo fits. I didn't put them on a blog, but maybe I'll draw those. And they looked exactly like the old boy and Rodney as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someone's having a laugh there with Crime Watch at the moment. Or, like, even uh, subconsciously, they could sort of go, he, he did look a bit like, if I describe Nicholas Lindhurst, yeah. this would give the police some sort of lead. Yeah. But I don't want to say Nicholas Lindhurst because they won't take me seriously. <laughs> I'll, I'll, draw, I'll make sure I draw those and I'll put them on the blog. So Wonderful, that would be great. No, um, I mean, not to, uh, you know, uh, create unnecessary work for you, but... Um, Personally, I would happily, if I was at a zine fair or show or in a shop and saw someone had done a zine where they'd just drawn characters based on Crime Watch UK photo bits, I would definitely buy it. So there you go. <laughs> right, next project. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> just to plant that seed uh, in your head. Did you yeah. enjoy working on the longer piece? Was that something, did you find it not a struggle, but... Was it was it harder work than you anticipated, or was it something that you really sort of got your teeth into? Um, a bit of both, I'd say. I mean, it was. It, I think it probably took longer than I thought it would. Go through phases really, where some pages are really quick to do, and then other pages should be keep looking over and redoing things. So um, it was, yeah, it was. Um, I'd say it was difficult, but I, I enjoyed the process definitely. Yeah, hard work, but fun. And rewarding to see, you know, it as a piece at the end that, you know, 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and the I good news we'll... is we've got distribution in the UK and the States, so you don't have to go around to all the shops and sell it in. We'll take care of that for you. <laughs> Great. <yeah. laughs> I was actually over in, I've done sort of a few cities in the East Coast earlier in the year and saw some Avery Hill stuff. Oh, great. Right. Um, yeah. Whereabouts were you? Um, well, I went to New York, Boston, Philly, and Baltimore. Right, fantastic. And in Baltimore, Atomic Books. Oh, yes, yeah. They're definitely uh, Ben uh, at Atomic Books. I know his uh, email address off by heart. There we go. <laughs> Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely on the the main list. So, uh, like, literally, I can exclusively reveal to you that, like, last week, I definitely emailed Ben at Atomic Books to let him know that Marble Cake by Scott Jason Smith is coming out next month. So, okay, cool. Oh, <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We can't guarantee yeah. anything, but you know, uh, uh, no. Um, yeah, uh, that's part of my role is to sort of email out to shops and sort of remind them that you know. Uh, these books are coming and here's what they're all about and here's the distributors they're available through and here's a little sample of a few images so you can get excited by it. So, yeah, yeah I've, not, I've not been to uh, Atomic Books, but um, it looks like a good one from my research online. It was one of the places I'd starred on my Google Maps to, to make sure <laughs> I make, make it over there while I'm there. But, um, yeah, yeah, I went great. to Chicago last year and, like, Quimby's was, like, top of the list in terms of uh, places to go. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, we'll go there at some point as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Chris Ware designed the logo, like, as if you're not going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, thanks very much for talking to us today. No problem, thanks for having me, it's a pleasure. Really looking forward to Marble Cake hitting the shelves and everyone getting a chance to enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah, same here, yeah, yeah. Cheers, take care. Thanks, Steve, see you later. Thanks to Scott again for talking to us, and thank you for listening. See you next month. This show is a Hold Fast Network production. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy.